Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGall, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.mcgaugh, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Welcome to the Follow the Brand podcast. I am your host, Grant McGall, and I wanted to know the impact of empathy and advocacy regarding career development in this next episode. My guest, Laura Marquez, believes in two simple principles, diversity of thought and the human connection. First, people are your most valuable assets. That's why she doubles down on soft skills that include emotional intelligence. She is empathetic to every patient and colleague and strives to show up every day as her best self. Laura Marquez is a one-time emergency medical assistant turned clinical informatics IT leader, helping patients with the technology tools to help improve the patient experience. Thriving under tremendous pressure and a passion to help patients, she applies skills learned over a career by tapping into her strengths of compassion, communication, and competitiveness. Laura Marquez is the Assistant Vice President for IT Applications at UConn Health in Farmington. Marquez brings more than 20 years of healthcare experience leading dynamic teams, driving innovation and bringing out the best in people by tapping into their strengths. In addition, she has shared ideas to improve the workplace with empathy as a TEDx speaker and is regarded as a servant leader with a strong focus on the patient experience. Before UConn Health, Marquez led several IT teams at Valley Medical Center in Renton, Washington, and served as a clinical informaticist and built analyst at the University of Washington in Seattle. In addition, she brings forth a unique clinical perspective from years spent at the bedside of a regional level one trauma center as a medical assistant. Marquez holds a Master of Healthcare Administration from the University of Washington and a Bachelor's in Biochemistry from Western Washington University. She has also participated in an Executive Leadership Development Program with the American College of Healthcare Executives and is pursuing fellowship status. Both inside and outside of work, she enjoys coaching and mentoring others in technology and leadership. Let's welcome Laura Marquez to the Follow the Brand podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great week on Follow the Brand. 
Now, this week, we're going to have a person that is so unique in what she's been able to accomplish, not only from a career perspective, but on a personal note. I just met Laura. Uh, just um, we, we came together during our HIMSS South Florida conference, and she was able to participate in that particular uh, seminar, that particular session talking about who's knocking at your digital front door. And, you know, she spoke very technically. She spoke a lot about the the changes that have occurred during COVID. And as I looked at her bio and I looked at what she had done, I was very, very intrigued. She has an interesting story and it fits right in because she has a unique brand as an individual. And as a woman in IT, we want to hear about her story. We want her to frame that story and have a candid conversation with a lot of our audience. A lot of people in our audience, there's a lot of people that are in the IT industry. There's a lot of people in the health industry. There's a lot of people that are looking to make that move forward, whether it's from a career standpoint or whether it's also from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And I think you can get some tidbits from Laura. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Laura Marquez. Awesome. Thank you, Grant. Thank you so much for having me on Follow the Brand. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) I'm excited that you're here, ultimately. And I'm going to start this story just a little bit differently, because the first question I got to ask you is that how did you get on TEDx? What what was happening? And I want you to frame that from the beginning to the end, because I think this is so unique that I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was, it has been a journey. So I actually moved from the Pacific Northwest to Connecticut and it was truly on a leap of faith. They, there was a position at Yukon Health that was right up my alley. And so I applied and made that cross country move. And shortly after being at Yukon Health, the university was hosting a TED conference. So I had an email come across my desk that basically was a call for speakers. And this has been a bucket list item. So for me, it was just awesome. I was like, no way, a TEDx talk? So I looked at the application and I actually filled it out in probably less than five minutes. I already knew what I wanted to talk about and I just threw something together. And I think when we talk and think about our brand and who we are, my talk was all about focusing on leadership and focusing on the people who we serve. And I was able to spin it in a way of, um, you know, let's think about now that we're in a telework world, we're in this virtual world. How can we as leaders think differently. And a lot of um, what I wove throughout my whole presentation and talk was all about empathy and seeing things through other people's lens. So it was just such a, an awesome experience. It was, you know, just about 11 minutes long, no teleprompter, you know, you had to come prepared. And I, I really am someone who um, likes to shoot from the hip and I really did not put that talk together very far in advance. And so I think that stems from my background working in the emergency room where I thrive under pressure and it worked out. So it was just an awesome, you know, opportunity. 
Well, we've got to listen to that. I, I've got to get the link to that whole segment. You know, that's got to be your 11 minutes of fame right there. Yeah. That definitely yeah. something that differentiates you and what you do. Now, you mentioned you work in the emergency room. Now, you're also in IT. Help us understand your journey. Yeah. So this is really, um, it's fun to reflect upon my journey because it is not the path that I thought I would follow. So from as I was a little girl, I knew that I wanted to go to med school. I was bound to be a doctor. And I entered into undergrad as a biochemist. I, you know, was right on track. I helped found the pre-med club at my university. You know, it was, it was just, everything was looking great. But I could not get a good score on that MCAT. That was like the bane of my existence. And so that test, you know, really was uh, very trying for me. And so I fell really into like the middle of the pack in terms of what I looked like as an applicant on paper. But I decided to get my medical assistant. I was a nursing assistant and worked at a level one trauma center in, in downtown Seattle. And so getting that clinical bedside care, it really, you know, continued to show my love for medicine and surveying patients. But, you know, at the same time, I knew I wanted more. So I continued to apply for medical school, even though I was, you know, just average, if not a little bit below average. And uh, I never got in. Just denial after denial letter came through and I knew I had to pivot and do something different. I started looking at master degree programs and, you know, my natural, you know, leadership qualities. I really wanted to do something in management or leadership. And I found the master's in healthcare administration. So I was able to get an MHA from the University of Washington. And, um, and in there, I found um, a clinical informatics course to really like, it, it, that was like untapped potential. I really wanted to learn more about clinical informatics and the EHR. And I was like, wow, I could marry up all of my, you know, clinical experience and desire and then problem solving and, and logic and analytical mindset and marry that with technology. Like, how cool would that be? So that's kind of how I fell into IT was um, ended up after that program. I got picked up to be an informaticist and uh, then became an analyst and then started leading teams and multiple teams and then departments. And now I'm, you know, fortunate and blessed to be able to lead an entire, you know, department on all the enterprise applications. That is wonderful. And I just learned another thing about you. I've got family in, in Seattle. No, so ah, I traveled yeah. out there uh, a lot. The, they were right near um, uh, Renton and, yeah. uh, you know, the Kent area, all, all of that. In, 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 I don't I think it's right outside of Seattle. I think you can walk across the uh, city line or something like that. Right at the very end of Lake Washington uh, is that's that, right. where, where that's located. Right. Right. So you say yeah, you and, you know, and that type of thing. That is so cool. Yeah. And what's, you know, Grant, what also really helped tie us together is him. Right. Yeah. So I was part of the Washington chapter. Now I'm, you know, New England chapter. Now I participated as a speaker at, in the South Florida chapter. So it's just so neat to have that network and um, that commonality of, of that great organization. Oh, it is. It, that definitely connects us uh, throughout 
the country and now the world. You know, we had Hal Wolf on um, as part of the South Florida uh, chapter when we did our integrate conference, and he had stated there's 113,000 members. I think that's ex- that's extraordinary, and I, I, yeah. I applaud uh, him for being able to grow at that level. And there's so many more people interested in clinical informatics. And that's one of the questions I like to ask you, you know, and talking to the audience, because there's so many people that want to get involved in this field. They run across certain roadblocks that, that come up. So if you needed to give advice to someone who's interested in pursuing a career somewhat like yours, what would you tell them? Yeah, you know, I think that skills are really translatable. So I think, first off, people should not have a fear of applying. If there is a job that they are interested in, really break through that fear and apply. I think especially, uh, you know, women tend to not apply for jobs unless they actually meet, like, all the bullets and check marks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whereas, you know, men might be more apt to apply anyway. So I would just encourage folks to apply. And in, in an interview, really think about how you can translate your skills that might be from a different industry, from a different line of work into that position that you're looking and seeking for. I think also, you know, it's, it's something that volunteering and shadowing folks or being an intern is a great way to get your foot in the door and be able to talk to those clinicians or those IT professionals or the coders or, you know, whatever, um, you know, aspect of healthcare you might be interested in, shadowing someone and really finding out, is this what I want to do? Is this going to bring me joy? I think is a question that you really have to ask yourself. And I think that in its, you know, is a really good starting spot. Without question. And I look at that the psychological dimension. So important. I mean, you work with a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. And as a leader, you've got to manage all those different personalities as they all have their different you know, beliefs and, and ethics and moralities. So what are your beliefs about how you should live your life and conduct your work? Yeah, well, I first want to hit on the point that, you know, diversity in the workplace, we need that. We are going to be able to come up with more creative solutions when we have more voices at the table representing all walks of life. And I think when um, when I'm really leading my teams and even coaching up my leaders, we I really stress that work-life balance, it's not a balance anymore. It's an integration. How can we actually, you know, think about work and leave it at the door and or in in these newer times where we might have a little more flexibility because we're working from home? You know, how can people show up as their best? And this is something that I ask myself each day, too. Like, am I showing up as my best? And I'll and I'll share a recent example. You know, I, I was found myself pretty frustrated and an employee was, you know, um, we were talking and she was too frustrated, you know, and I was commiserating with her. And I left that conversation thinking, hmm, you know, while there's always an opportunity to be human and show that transparent side, 
as a leader, we have to be cautious too. So I actually called her back like the following week and said, you know what? I didn't show up as my best there. And Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry. And, you know, here's what I heard. Here's some of the problems and pain points that I picked up. I'm going to work on those. And I'm going to see what solutions we could come up with. And I welcome your ideas. So I think really how in, in thinking about how to integrate work and life, it's, you know, work will always be there. So I think work like family and your time with your loved ones really needs to be the priority because you will show up better if you're refreshed outside of work. And you have to rest. You have to take vacations. You have to disconnect. And it's tough. It is so tough walking away from unread emails, you know, or not looking at emails after hours. You have to do it. You have to just let it be. All right. I totally agree. And I'm starting to get some indication of your brand. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. And, and how you conduct your life truly. So if someone asked you, like I'm about to ask you, what is your brand? How would you describe your personal brand? Somebody's looking at you and how you're perceived by your team and others and your peers. What would you say? You know, I'm a real believer that your people are your most valuable asset. I treat others as I want to be treated. I lead as how I want to be led. You know, I've learned a lot from, you know, bosses who I've worked for and certainly learned things what not to do. And then, you know, and each, each, each experience is a learning opportunity. So I really think that putting people first and making sure that we are, you know, we're in it together and it takes an army. It takes a village. We're better together. And, you know, back to the the diversity comment, I, I love that there's finally an attention on more inclusion and and diversity because it has to happen in order for us to have successful, well thought, you know, well rounded solutions. Oh, without question. Uh, and the word that comes to me about your brand is the advocate. Yes, you advocate for people. You advocate for others to move forward, and that you're there to help pick them up. I, I love that uh, already about you. That that yeah. that is wonderful. Wonderful. So let's ask you this. Now, how do you, because you went to UW, you got into clinical informatics, you got into leadership, you, you, you've climbed those ranks, but how do you stay on top of things in, within your role? 
Yeah, it's it's definitely like an octopus. You know, you have so many different tentacles and different pots. So, uh, you know, I think that um, I, and I'm still learning, but delegation is key because you can't do it all. So I think it's really that trust and creating that environment, um, that culture of safety where you can trust your people. And so, you know, I stay on top of it by, you know, keeping up with what is latest in healthcare and what's coming. So, you know, I am following, you know, a variety of things, even, you know, um, from newsletters and podcasts and, you know, other IT, you know, clippings and everything, you know, I'm, I'm trying and regulations, right? So we're a highly regulated complex field and there's everything impacts IT. And so staying on top of, um, of that is just a small component, but I can't do it alone. So I think the delegation is a huge part. And, and like I mentioned, that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm still working on because I have had an accelerated career. And so, you know, going from a sole contributor to, you know, a leader and then leading other, you know, multiple folks, it's hard to get out of those weeds, but you have to, you have to trust your people. And even though they might do it differently than you, that's okay. You know, the outcome, did we meet the deliverables? Did we, you know, were we on time? Did we get the outcome that we wanted? You know, then it's great. No, that's wonderful. And I like how you were very candid uh, about that, that you can't do it alone, that you you are collaborative and you bring people together. Let's huddle up. Let, let's agree on a plan of action and let's execute. Uh, and, and I like that. That's how you win in, in the game, especially in sports and definitely in the, in the healthcare setting. I mean, the um, the it is life and death. That's what's on the line. You know, so this is not a, a time to um, you know, to cut corners and you want to do it right and do it right for the best possible uh, outcome for everybody. So let me ask you this. Absolutely. And because I already look up to you and the reason why I look up to you again, is like, I know some people that are in leadership, in healthcare, in IT, they've never been on a TEDx show that I know about. But so I look up to you. What, 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 who do you look up to? Who are your heroes? Yeah, you know, this has been fun, too, coming to the East Coast as I've got to meet a whole new slew of leaders. And I will put in a plug for mentorship. I think this is a key, you know, it, this is critical in one's career. You, you need a mentor. You need someone who can really be your sounding board and, and help you through some of those tough times or, you know, give you that advice. How did, how did they get there? And so... I was partnered up, um, I, I volunteer with New England Hymns on their mentorship, and I'm both a mentor myself and a mentee. So I was able to um, be partnered with a former CIO, and he was excellent in helping connect me with more New England folks. And someone who really stands out is Jamie Nelson. She is a CIO at Hospital for Special Surgery in New York. And I just really look up to her. I, I love her style. I love her approach to things. I love her story. I love how she's really, you know, worked her way from bottom up, which is very much what I've done. And, you know, she is, she owns it and she's become such an expert too. And I think it's just phenomenal. She's someone that is um, someone I really admire. 
Man, that, that is great. I hope she's listening. She will listen to this episode that uh, she can uh, really appreciate the shout out you just gave her because we do need mentors. We cannot do it alone. And we we have someone, if you're following a certain path and you know someone's a little further down that path that you are, and you get tapped on the shoulder and just ask them some very key questions. They're, first of all, they're going to respect you. And then they're going to respect the fact that you look up to them. And they don't give you very candid advice. Well, oh, I, I've had that. I've seen that play before. I, I know that how this works. And here's some information that possibly could move you uh, forward. And I know it was a big move well, coming from Seattle out to Yukon as well. Yeah. And I think what's, what's so cool about mentorship, and, and I picked this up from, I think I was listening to a panelist of CIOs um, that were talking about, you know, what was their, um, you know, what, what was one thing that stood out that they learned? And I've now picked it up. And they said, okay, take a piece of paper, draw a large rectangle. And around that paper, draw eight circles. In each of those circles, write the names of who you believe is either your mentor, your sponsor, your, you know, your confidant, you know, who, who can you rely on? And it started to get me thinking too, I want to make sure that my fear of, you know, is big enough. Am I thinking about things from all different lenses and having more people and not just one mentor, but being able to tap into different people for different needs or different things has really helped. And it, it again, thinking about um, that diversity, it increases your diversity of thought. Even someone outside of your industry, who is, is that mentor that you can lean on? And so I think it's something that I, I would encourage all of your listeners, you know, to really think about too, you know, is how can they help, you know, can, who can they mentor? Because they got to their position somehow. And then who do they look up to and who is their mentor? You know, I want to ask you about leadership and leadership training, because I've, I've, I've gone through a lot of training uh, myself, but was there any particular program that you really got a lot out of that the lights just went on like, I got this. I understand that. I love this leadership program. Yeah. So for I always take advantage of any professional development that an organization is willing to sponsor. Um, but one that really comes to mind is uh, soft skills. So this was something that I really struggled with. And so it was an awesome course to really learn more about emotional intelligence and soft skills. And there was an exercise in the class. And, you know, after uh, an assessment that was done, you basically got categorized into four different colors. And so you had um, your browns, which were your drivers, your action-oriented, you know, get to the bottom line. These are, these are your strong, dominant, you know, folks. That was, that was the brown category. I fit into the brown category. Then there was your greens. And they were like the analyticals. They really needed the data, you know, and they, um, you know, they were just so driven by um, an informed decision, you know, making sure they had collected everything. Then you had the blue and the blue were the empaths. These are the people who, you know, really were able to build relationships and they cared for one another. They, you know, were the ones who brought brownies, you know, to an, to an event. They were the planners of the team building activities. And then you had the reds and those were the like, 
high energy, really um, creative. You know, they could see things more futuristically. They might have had a little bit more strategic planning. So each of these were kind of different styles and there's no right wrong, right? I mean, everyone has a preference. And so, you know, you take this little quiz. And so they paired us up with people where whatever color that you had the least points in, you had to go pretend that you were that color for this exercise. And the exercise was, okay, you need to take this, you know, magic marker. And it's one of those scented ones, you know, as a kid, you, you would get the, the yellow smelled like lemons and the red smelled like cherry, you know, so take this magic marker and come up with a sales pitch with your team. And so remembering that I was this Brown, I'm the driver, I'm the one who's, you know, like going to get it done. My least color was blue, the empath. And so, but I had to really pretend, you know, I was put in that blue group, sell me this pen, you know, this marker as if you were strong and blue. So the team were talking and all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I could do the pitch. I could do the sales pitch. And the moderator came over the teacher and she said, you know, so what are you guys thinking? And I said, oh, I'm, you know, I'll do the pitch. We've come up with some ideas of, of things we're highlighting. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. A blue would never do a sales pitch alone. A blue would do a team sales pitch. And that was such an aha moment for me because I never thought of it that way, right? I never uh-huh. thought that if, if my preference, you know, as a blue was someone that needed strength in others, I just didn't even see it that way. So that was really um, a pivotal moment. I, it's a, you know, kind of silly example, but it's a very great exercise. No, that's a fantastic example because it gives you another point of view. How that, how, you know, those particular personalities see things. No one sees things exactly the same way. There's similar views, but not an exact view. But those little nuances can change the meaning. Just like in a, yeah. another language, like why well, the way he said that means this. So that's why listening skills, you probably know that is so important. Like, well, this is what I heard. Is that what you said? Kind of thing. Right. So right. Very, very, yeah. very important to get good clarification. I love that. I think the audience is going to like that particularly. You shared some of the training, right? Uh, of what you got out of that. So that that that's one. So some of the things I, I've noticed about you that you've been on a lot of panels. People are tapping you to come out and talk about changes that are going on in the healthcare industry. We just did that at South Florida Hems, right? You talked about, you know, the digital front door, who's knocking, what's going on, how you had to pivot during the COVID uh, timeframe, and how you had to utilize technology in a way that was going to be more advantage, you know, for, for, for everyone involved, right? So how do you see yourself creating that change? How do, oh, you must be doing something that's getting noticed. And how, how do you articulate that? Yeah, so it's always an honor to be asked to be a speaker and be part of a panel. And, you know, it's, I just try to remain humble. I, I think it's, I love speaking. I love sharing my story because I think it, you know, it helps make other people know that there's, a door of hope out there 
everyone starts somewhere, right? We, I really do come from humble beginnings, you know, as a medical assistant in the ER, you know, to where I'm at today. It's, it's been wonderful doing each job along the way because it's really broadened and strengthened my appreciation for all of those folks. And I, you know, can really understand their struggles because I've been there. And, you know, I think networking has been just so successful for me. Networking is, is really what has prompted the, you know, ability to be asked, you know, to be on a panel or join a talk. Uh, and also, I'm not afraid to ask. So just like with you, Grant, you know, I reached out to you and said, hey, how cool. You have a podcast. Tell me more. <laughs> well, you certainly did that. Uh, but you you carry a wealth of, of knowledge, a wealth of experience. Uh, there, there's so many people out here, and especially in healthcare in the United States, they have particular challenges. And when they see a person like yourself, that have solved certain issues. He's like, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and, and tap Laura. Let's see what she's got going on. Because you know what I saw with you and Judy Murphy and what you guys were talking about, I think you did it not only for us, but you were out with Chime. Were you on some other panels as well? Um, I actually was not at Chime, um, oh. but I've been previously in some of the New England hymns, um, different presentations. And actually, really, I think when we think about brands, I love talking about those that emotional intelligence and empathy. And my latest one was um, soft skills are equally as important as software. So that was a fun one to do. That's a good one. And that's very, very, very true. So before we conclude, I always give my audience an opportunity, kind of what I call a coming off script and just speak directly to my audience. My audience consist of healthcare professionals. A lot of them are in information technology. A lot of them are uh, entrepreneurs, small business owners. If you had to give just a piece of advice to them, just understanding what, what's it like day to day, health informatic, what's it like, you know, doing what you do? And if you could just shed some light on that and some encouragement, I'd appreciate it. Ah, well, I think, you know, it, Overall, we have to remember in health IT, we are still here to serve the patient. And I think that's been a real, you know, sometimes it's a struggle to remember all this work that the analysts and, and the app developers and the teams are doing. You know, we sometimes get into the weeds and then we have to take a step back to remember, wait, you guys are creating solutions and delivering tools to our caregivers who then are being able to be more efficient and can spend more time with the patient. So I think my biggest piece of, you know, like the comment that I would like to leave with is we have to remember to connect back to why we are here in the first place. And that's to make healthcare better for our patients. You know, we can't forget we ourselves are our patients, our loved ones. You know, that, that tube of blood belongs to our mother, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, grandparents, you know, and so I think it's, it's so important in health IT, you know, that lab label that you just customized, that's going to be stuck onto someone's, you know, specimen that's going to be transported down to the lab. And then, you know, the scanner is going to then, you know, feed it into the system and it's going to electronically pick up exactly and match patients. I mean, it's just, that's fascinating. And so we can't forget even the work that might seem 
mundane, repetitive, you know, sometimes those, you know, tougher jobs that no one wants to do, you know, they all connect back to, you know, a bigger purpose, which is really here serving our patients. Man, that that's wonderful. I, I love that. Great, great statement. I'm going to thank you for being on Follow the Brand. I really appreciated that. Now, if, if the audience would like to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? Yeah, LinkedIn is a great way to reach out. And I'm on there, you know, each morning when I'm trying to get my exercise in. So that's a great way, you know, to reach out to me. Hire Laura Marquez. Wonderful, wonderful. So audience, this has been another episode of Follow the Brand with Laura Marquez. Thank you for listening. You can listen to all the podcasts and episodes on Follow the Brand at www.5starvdm. That's B for brand, B for development, and for masters.com, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining, Laura.